Hey, Valley family, welcome to week number six in our series that we're calling Relationship Goals. This is the last one in the whole series. The series isn't done. We have a couple more weeks, but that we're going to be really focusing on marriage relationship. And, and of course, I have my wife, Susie, the best part of me, uh, joining me again for this message. Today is actually our 29th wedding anniversary, August 18th, 1990. We were wed, and, uh, you know, just pretty cool to have this opportunity, yeah, isn't it? Day. Yeah, on the actual day. And uh, of course, you know, because it's the actual day, we have some wedding pictures. So, yeah, we brought a wedding picture. A couple of, uh, just wanted to show there. So, uh, let's go. There we are. There we are. Really young kids, 22, 23 years old, and uh, we're making our way off into the bright future that, that God had for us. We were kids, yeah. Our kids are older than that now, and uh, uh, you can see Susie hasn't changed a bit. And then uh, here's the second picture here, and uh, this is the lighting of the unity candle. And if you're a guy and you're single, you want to look for a woman that Jesus Christ is the center and that you're going to be number two, and she'll look at you the way Susie is looking at me right there. You know what I'm saying? That's it, right there. Uh, so happy anniversary, baby. Uh, 29 years. Wow. Amazing. I've actually, we've been together longer than we were single, longer than we Very were true. apart. Uh, and uh, you want to give a quick review of where I we've will. been? I will. Let's jump right in. We've been talking about being Christ-centered in our marriage relationships, that just being Christians, that Christ is at the center of all we do. Uh, Greg covered covenant keeping, that we're not married in a contract, but it's a covenant before God that we've right. made as, as married couples. Um, and last week we talked about mission-driven, that we're on mission as a couple, that God has a higher purpose than just existing and surviving, that we're supposed to be on mission. Um, and today we want to talk about devil-kicking, that these are our goals, to be devil-kicking, recognizes that we stand together as a husband and wife against the schemes of the enemy. And understanding, really living with the understanding that we have a spiritual enemy. And he hates God. And he hates everything that matters to God. And that includes you. And that includes me. You know, in the spring, Greg did a phenomenal series called SWAT. It was all about spiritual warfare. And he really drove home the point that we have an enemy. And that is the devil. The, the scripture talks about his name as being Satan. And he's looking for where we're weak in our marriages. He's That's looking right. for the, that vulnerability because his whole goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to destroy our marriages. You know, I think if you find yourself struggling, maybe relationally today, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're angry, maybe you're just afraid or losing trust with that person that you've committed your life to, you need to remember that that person, your spouse, is not the enemy. You have a much bigger well, enemy. Can you say that up. again? That just... your spouse is not your enemy. <laughs> How about that? I think I've told you that before. I'm so you glad this is recorded. Enemy. Yeah, this is so good. I love this. I but really that do. you have an enemy, and he is planning attacks on your marriage. And you have to be wise about that and mm -hmm. recognize and really live with that reality. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, uh, you know, talk to, like, the men and, and even the, the women, you know, the husbands and the wives. Uh, if you knew someone, let, let's say, uh, lived in the community and uh, that they really, uh, you knew they were a thief, you knew they, they were a murderer, and they were watching your house, seeking for a way to kill you, to destroy you, to cause pain, and to hurt your spouse and your children, you probably would take a few steps, wouldn't you? 
You take some action to prevent that from happening. You'd be on your guard. You'd be preparing on how you're going to defend those that you love, your spouse, your children. Uh, you, you might put bars on the windows, security system, motion, light detectors, you, you know, maybe even a dog. And uh, uh, you'd alert the neighbors also to kind of be keeping a watch on your house if they see anything. You'd warn your family. You would uh, uh, keep watch. You'd pray, plan a defense. You might even... Uh, uh, find something, a firearm that would protect, or, or maybe a pea shooter, or a BB gun, or a knife, or something like that. You machete, you would do anything that, uh, inside joke, uh, you would do anything that you could to protect your spouse and to protect your children, wouldn't you? Now, here's the thing there is an enemy like that, it's Satan. And yet, so many married couples do nothing to defend their marriage, are not taking active steps to protect this. And if we're going to have relationship goals there that, that Susie just went over, you know, we got to learn how to, let's go back there, uh, uh, we've got to learn how to be devil kicking. And because he's a real enemy and he's seeking to really destroy us. And so the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Now, he's not as powerful as Jesus. We're not talking about dualism here. They're not duking it out. Jesus is victorious. He won the victory at the cross through his sinless life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead. And the... the, the power that Satan really has is lies and deception and spiritual attack. That's really what it is. But he, as the Bible says, he, he wants to rob, kill, and destroy. And so stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, and he's looking for someone to devour. And, and so the question is right now, what are you doing to protect your marriage? What are you doing to protect your family? Because he's looking for someone who's got their guard down. That, that doesn't know really how to be devil-kicking. And so he's looking for marriages to devour. He never announces his attack. He never rings the doorbell or knocks on the front door. Uh, he, he's always looking for subtle ways to come in without warning. And uh, you, f- you may feel like, hey, we're doing pretty good here, but you know what? He's getting access, and he's working to destroy your marriage and to de- destroy your family. And, and the two primary ways that he does is the devil often attacks by distractions and seductions. So I hope you have your Valley app out and you're, you're filling in the blanks with us because this is going to be really an opportunity for a defense strategy to be devil kicking. And you can download that for free in your, uh, in your app store if you haven't done that. But the devil often attacks with distractions and seductions. He distracts just like he did in the garden with Eve with the fruit and, and said, you know, God didn't really say that. Uh, and he also uh, seduces just like he did Judas w- with money, that he actually betrayed the Son of God. And, and so there's many different ways that he distracts. There's many different ways that he seduces. But these are really often the two primary ways uh, that he attacks uh, marriages uh, as we're t- going to talk about today. 
You know, there's a powerful book in the Old Testament called the Song of Solomon, and Solomon wrote it, King Solomon. Well, we've talked about him. He's the one who had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Yeah, 1,000 women. But anyway, he had a favorite in those 1,000, and it was the Shulamite woman. Which shows you it doesn't work, the whole 1,000 right, wives thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but in the Song of Solomon 2, 14 through 15, it says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyard, vineyards that are in bloom. You know, what do the little foxes do? Those little foxes would eat the blossoms that are growing on the trees so that the blossoms never fall, so that there's never a grape, and it ruins the harvest. And so Solomon's saying, watch out for those little, it's the little foxes. It's not always the blowout. It's the little foxes. You know, and our enemy will try to distract us. If we talk about part of his thing, he distracts, and he'll try to distract us with these little foxes. And seduce. And seduce, that's mm -hmm. true. You know, there are things that seem maybe harmless, maybe there are things that you barely notice, that's just the way I am, or whatever, but in marriage, if those go unchecked, they will eventually take your marriage down if you're not careful. And so we want to just spend just a little time kind of going over five of those foxes. There's a lot of them. We, we actually had ten, but we thought there's no way we'd get right, through there's that. Right, yeah. So we're just going to narrow it down to five. Five different foxes that the enemy can use. Um, and the first of those five foxes is comparison. Now, you know, com comparison kills at any level. You know, comparing ourselves to one another, we know how detrimental that is. But the enemy will use comparison in the marriage. Um, he'll get you to compare your spouse with somebody else's spouse. You know, for wives, it might look something like this. You know, it might be like, wow, dang, my husband doesn't take me out on dates like that. Look at the way he looks at his wife. Yeah, we ain't got that kind of spirit, you know, that kind of a connection. You know, or maybe it's like, wow. I wish my husband would provide for me like he does. Look at her new car. Do you see? She's got a new world. It's, it's those little things that kind of just undermine. We compare what someone else has from what we don't. It just built, breeds that discontentment. Eventually, it kind of just leads to contempt, really. Um, and it's those, little, it's those little foxes. And Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I think that's just the key, really, for not comparing our spouses, as that is to keep, be thankful, to keep a thankful heart for the things that your husband or your spouse is doing that are good. Focus on the positive, because comparison will kill. And it really has no place in a marriage because those little fox will just come and just breathe that discontentment. And we've seen that so often in different marriages. And, it, and it, it's not only a thing with women, it's a thing with men is also comparing. And, uh, uh, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's just lethal. And it's one of those things that's subtle. Yeah, you don't think it's a big deal, but it is. Exactly. And it just, it's like a, on the highway of life, it's the slow leak of the tire that, that causes the real damage. It's not the big blowout. Most of us kind of keep an eye on that. So that first one is huge. Uh, and, and just being grateful for what you do have. And uh, it kind of reminds me of a story. Uh, E.V. Hill, great uh, black Baptist preacher, he told uh, actually at his wife's funeral. And uh, he had invested in some gas stations and he really lost everything. And uh, in terms of this idea of grateful and being thankful for what you have. And uh, he came home and uh, he was waiting for his wife to just rip him up one side and down the other because of the financial loss. And uh, she, she sat down and she gave him a piece of paper, didn't say a word. And on the piece of paper, she had itemized how much uh, certain items would have cost them over their marriage. Mm -hmm. And he said, what is this? And she said, well, I figure... 
You don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't mess around. You're a faithful man to me and to the kids. And this is what all of that would have cost us over the years. And she said, so, baby, as far as I'm concerned, we didn't lose anything. We broke even. Yeah. Let's move forward. I mean, that's, you talk about just being thankful for what you have instead of comparing mm -hmm. with someone else. And, and uh, that's huge. And here's the second uh, little fox, and that's harshness. Mm -hmm. Just being harsh. And, and generally what we're talking about being harsh is, is tone of how you speak. You know, you can say the right words, but if the tone is demeaning and, and putting down, like you're talking to a child when you're talking to your spouse, that's harsh. Being controlling is also a form of harshness. A uh, lot, of, lot of marriages, there's one person controlling or attempting to control the other person. That's harsh. Uh, and in fact, the Bible says, in, in contrast to this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, instead, and for the sake of what we're talking about today, this little fox of harshness, instead of harshness, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So, so that's what God wants me as a husband. He wants that to be my disposition is not being harsh, but being kind to my wife, to Susie, being tender-hearted. Men, tender-hearted. How tender is your heart towards your wife? When there's something troubling her, does that trouble you? This is not only for marriage, I think it's also for parenting. One of the ways that, and we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks on September 1st, one of the ways that, that we provoke as parents our children to anger is being harsh with them. The way that we talk. You can be firm without talking down, without berating, without the volume going up. This is what God expects of a follower of Jesus Christ especially in marriage, kind to one another, tender-hearted. So let me ask you a question right now. Would your spouse say you're tender-hearted to them? Would that be an adjective they'd learn, they'd use to describe you? Tender-hearted? Because when we're harsh, it creates resentment and bitterness and, and grudges. And instead, we're supposed to forgive. So this is another one of these little foxes that, that you know, kind of socially acceptable, but it's really not acceptable to Jesus because it gets in and it, it messes with the fruit on the vine and, and we don't have that marriage relationship that God really wants for us. What about third fox? Yes, the third fox is criticism. Just nitpicking and being critical. You know, and if you're on the other side of someone who's critical and is a lot of criticism, you feel like you can't do anything right. Why, why even bother? That's kind of how it comes across to the other person on the other side. It's demotivating. It is very demotivating. Yeah. You know, Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful 
and building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit. That's the key. It should benefit the person that you're speaking to who's listening. And so that's so important that we don't be critical, that we, that we speak wholesome words, that we're thankful, and that we, we care more about the relationship than caring about being right, per se. You know, and I know for me, this is one I had to really work on early on in marriage because, again, I really struggled being a perfectionist, and the, my way was the right way. And so it's easy to look at something and be critical, you know, but you realize that you have to be speak those wholesome words. And that person, you want to motivate them if the change needs to happen, but you motivate by encouraging. And so if this is something you struggle with, I encourage you to look for something good. And I've had, you know, some women say, well, I have to look really hard. Well, then look really, really hard and, and find something that you can encourage and say, man, I love the way you do that, honey. You know, or you are so good with the kids with that. Or thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for making the bed. You don't have to add because it's been like a year and a half since, you know, just leave it at being thankful for that one thing. Are you? What? Stop. You said making a bed. That's not necessarily no, my I'm strength. No, I'm not talking yeah. about us. I'm giving examples. <laughs> right, it's hypothetical. It's hypothetical. Totally yeah. hypothetical. But, you know, and never backstab your spouse. And never talk about them, A, if they're standing there, but especially behind their back. Compliment them. Cheer them on. Cheer, talk about them. Praise them in front of other people. You know, because really, it takes no talent to be nitpicky. And we really, really need to watch that little fox because it can really tear down our marriages. We all know we're not perfect. No one's perfect. So, so what's the great skill level in pointing out imperfections? It take, it, there's no gift to be critical. Yeah. It really is. But, but what is a gift is to find what you were saying, the one thing to really encourage. Man, that's, that's just huge. It really is. So I'll actually cover number four. Yeah, okay. Uh, the fourth one is selfishness. Selfishness. You know, being selfish comes pretty natural to all of us. It's like our, in our sin nature. And, you know, I think especially as parents, our goal, and I'm sure yours, is to teach our kids to be other-centered. Because mm -hmm. the goal is that maybe by the time they have a relationship with their spouse, they've worked on being other-centered. Because it's that type of thing that, you know, self and what I want kind of flares this ugly head if we're not careful. It's certainly one of those little foxes. And it can come across like, like, yeah, I made that big purchase because I really wanted it. Sorry I didn't check with you, you know. It's like, you know, this is what I want to do for the day, you know, not really considering the other person, recognizing, you know what, in, in the team, there is no I in team. It's all about right. team together. And so it's not about just all about me and what I want, you know, that, and I think it's such a big one. That sense of entitlement, I deserve this. Uh, and I remember in that our... That was a great message. Yeah, the, the message, uh, week number two, really, the entitlement cure that, that uh, we looked at. And uh, I remember in our premarital counseling, the pastor said to us, I think we had like eight sessions or something like that, and he said, your marriage is going to rise or fall based on how much you eradicate selfishness in your own life. It's going to blossom or it's going to fail to the degree yeah. that you eradicate selfishness so yeah. really big it's good and a verse for that is acts 20 35 it says and i have i have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard you should remember the words of the lord jesus that it is more blessed to give than to re than to receive and I think uh, for us, we were even challenged in our premarital counseling to make it into a contest of outgiving each other. You know, I think for us, we look for ways to kind of keep each other on edge. You know, I like to try to see if I can anticipate what Grace's going to want or need or whatever. She and, does a and great try to meet job. Meet him to that, and he'd be like, 
you know, just to see that on his face, it's just like, it makes it like an adventure. It makes it excitement instead of sitting back like, let's see if he does that for me. You know, put that energy into blessing them. And then it's like this, this cycle that's just wonderful instead of a downward one where everybody's just kind of like digging in and yeah. looking out for number one. Sometimes it'll be a little later in the evening and I'll, and I'll be like, hon, uh, I kind of have a craving. And she's like, craving for what? And I'll be like, really some chocolate covered raisins, some raisinettes. Yes, and she'd be like, yeah, they're downstairs <laughs> in the cabinet. I thought you might be craving those. And, and that's what we're talking about, just kind of that, uh, that competition uh, like that. And uh, uh, that, that defeats selfishness, yeah, no, no doubt about that. It keeps your that. eyes off of what you want, and you're out to bless your spouse. A exactly. So it's not about me. It's about you. And, uh, you, know, you know, selfishness doesn't just fall away with some magical age. You, you can be in your 70s and completely absorbed and a selfish person. So it, it's something that we're responsible. And selfishness just destroys relationships. It's a little fox. It, it just seems like a subtle little thing, no big deal, but it destroys relationships. And uh, this is pretty cool about where Jesus, Jesus is the one who said it's more blessed to give than receive. So many of us heard that and didn't realize Jesus said it. This is, this is red letter stuff in the book of Acts. If you have one of those Bibles that has red letters. And uh, I just want to brag on you because it's our anniversary. I want to brag on her. And uh, so my anniversary gift, look at this. Susie got me these Reeboks. Look at this. Isn't that something? These Reeboks that she bought me uh, for our anniversary. Uh, these are the same Reeboks. These are 85C Reeboks. These are the same Reeboks that I had when we met for the first Low time. Low those many years ago. Low those many years ago, and they've just re-released them, and she got me these Reeboks, so I just had to wear them today on our anniversary. Thank you, baby. You're the, you're you're the best, and I'm just going to take you on a trip to Ireland. Yay, How to about your, that? To your homeland. Yeah, yeah, from where my ancestors are from. That's what I'm going to do for our anniversary. How about that? So uh, defeating selfishness, really, really important. And then the, uh, the fifth uh, little fox is lust. Just plain and simple, lust just destroys marriages. Just a, a, a little, again, a little fox. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. This is amazing. It, the Bible says, but among you, speaking about Christians, there must not even be a hint, not a hint, not a whiff of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. These are inappropriate. This is improper for someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ that there would even be a hint of sexual immorality. And, uh, you know, it's pretty uh, amazing. I heard this statistic recently, wasn't able to verify it or, or deny it, but 60% uh, of divorces currently cite pornography as a factor. 60%. Now, this word, uh, sexual immorality, in English is defined as two words, sexual immorality. But this is a Greek word in the New Testament, which the New Testament was originally written in Koine Greek. It's a Greek that's not really spoken today. This is a Greek word, porneo. Porneo. And it's where we get our word pornography from. But sexual immorality, plain and simple, in the Greek, what that means is any and every type of sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and wife is porneo. Porneo. And so again, with that in mind, 
but among you there must not even be a hint of porneo, any type of sexual activity whatsoever outside of a marriage between a husband and wife. Uh, because it says these are improper for God's holy people. And in our culture where it's, oh, it's okay, I'm not hurting anyone, God says, no, 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 you're hurting. You're hurting someone. You're hurting your spouse. If you're not married, you're hurting your future spouse. And I don't want to, you know, talk out of turn or anything, but it's amazing how much in terms of counsel, marriage struggles and challenges, this comes up. Uh, when, when, when marriages are really, really struggling. So lust is definitely one of those. And, and for many, the whole idea is, this is why I love this, it says not even a hint, not even a hint. There should be no indication of it whatsoever because so many Christians just go up to the line as close as they can without crossing it, thinking it's okay, but that's more than a hint. And, and so the devil knows that you're vulnerable the devil knows uh, how to trigger anger and insecurity and fears that are going to get you to look in. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's just real explicit things that you're, you're, you're reading or, or you're viewing on Netflix and, or something like that. Oh, it's not total nudity. Yeah, but it's enough that it's messing with your mind. That's a hint of porneo. And so it says this is not appropriate, this is not proper for a Christian. It's not compatible for us to have a growing, healthy marriage while we're kind of sniffing and there's a hint of sexual immorality on the side. And so it's the little things that really get us off track. And so we have to be really, really committed, again, because the enemy's trying to make an inroad, we have to be really, really committed not to allow a crack in the door, but to slam the door shut. If you knew there was someone in your neighborhood that was looking to hurt and injure and even destroy your marriage and your kids, you would not leave the front door cracked open. You would slam it shut, lock it down, and bolt it. And that's what we need to do with these, uh, these little foxes, no doubt about that. So stay away from the line, not even a hint. Proverbs 14, um, 4, 14 through 15 says along that same line, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. It's like Solomon here in Proverbs is saying it four different ways. He's saying, avoid it. Do not even travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. We need to distance ourselves from things that could make us vulnerable, compromise us, and really hurt and ruin our marriage. You know, I think if, if there's a person that you know you shouldn't be engaging with, well, certainly don't meet that person for lunch. I mean, hello. Yeah. It's just like common sense, you know. But if you find yourself maybe even attracted to somebody at the office, or maybe you feel like you've gotten emotionally connected to someone at the office, get out, switch jobs, change shifts, relocate to another branch. It's like whatever you have to do, get away from the temptation because your marriage is hanging in that balance. And we've had to see that. We've seen that with couples. And, yeah. you know, the husband's like, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm emotionally attached, but I'll do whatever it takes. And she said, yes, you will do whatever it takes. And he relocates, whatever. And they're still married today. I mean, it's like power. It's like you just have to, like, eradicate those temptations. Um, Another one would be, you know, not carrying on conversations with old flames on social media. You know, if you are messaging your spouse needs to know, listen, I reached someone so reached out to me, I just responded back. You know, don't don't let those things go unchecked. Those are things that are gonna come back and bite you. And you think old it's a little flames bit. can Absolutely. be rekindled. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You know. 
I think, you know, if you go and you find yourself going to the gym, you know, and you find yourself maybe visually vulnerable or relationally vulnerable to somebody that's at the gym that you see, you know, when you go to work out, work out at home. It really isn't a big deal. Switch gyms. Do what you have to do. Don't remain in a situation that's going to make you vulnerable. Your marriage is more important, and you need to make those changes. So many, it's crazy how so many people put physical help above relational health. And, and uh, physically fine, but emotionally and relationally shattered. Absolutely shattered. The covenant relationship is hanging yep. in the balance. The parents, your children, you're their parents. All that is hanging in the balance. It is not worth it. It is so not worth it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe even if you, those hashtags on Instagram that take you places where really you shouldn't be. Delete the app. It really isn't worth it, what it does in your mind. You'll live just, without Instagram. Trust me. You have you to just learn to distance yourself from the things that can harm you and can bring attack on your marriage. Because really, it's not worth what it's going to cost because you. Because Satan's not going to knock on the front door and ask if he can come in. He's going to sneak in. It's subtle. It's the little foxes. What's that thing? Satan will always take you. Uh, Satan, a sin, will always cost you more than you're willing to pay, take you further than you're willing to go, and keep you longer than you're willing to stay. That's what sin does. You think it's a little thing, but he just right. lures you in, then he's got you. And this is exactly taking these, and I know it sounds like drastic steps that Susie's that. talking about, but this is exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. He says, take drastic measures because better for you to enter heaven without an eye than hell, your whole full body being thrown there. And, and that's the serious, that's the subtlety of sin. Jesus said that, not, not Greg, not, not Susie. And so we need to take these drastic measures. That's why our marriages matter so much more, I believe, to God than, than oftentimes they matter to us, and that's not the way he wants it uh, to really be. So here's the big thing. If you're struggling with this, even as a single person, some of these, these issues that we're talking about, uh, you know, and the idea is, well, when I find, you know, the person God has for me and, and we get married, then I'll just leave all this behind. Listen, why resist a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? Nip it in the bud. It's easier when it's small. Why, why kick the can down the road? I'll resist temptation someday in the future when, when someone waves a magical wand over me and sprinkles me with pixie dust. No, it's not going to happen. Why resist a temptation in the future that you have the power to really eliminate today? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 through 13, the Bible says, So if you think you're standing firm, oh, this is no big deal. It's not hurting anybody. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Like, I'm immune to this. I'm strong enough for this. I can handle this stuff. Uh, goes on and it says, no temptation is overtaking you except which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. That is such a great news. Even when we're not faithful, God is still faithful to you and to me. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Every temptation you and I will ever face, God says, with my power, you can say no. You can resist it. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He'll provide, well, one translation, this is NIV, one translation says he'll provide a way of escape. And so that means don't stand there and think I'm strong enough. Be careful you think you stand, just as we read at the beginning of this, or you're going to fall. 
get up, get out of there. That's the way God has provided for escape. Whenever I'm tempted to, uh, to give in to something that, that would hurt Susie, that would hurt our marriage, you, you know what I found is real helpful? I just visualize having to look her in the eyes and tell her what I did. The pain of hurting my best friend the one who has just loved me so well for so long, over three decades. I just visualize the heartache in our three daughters' eyes who, who believe their father is a man of God and the, the devastation when they realize I'm really a a fraud. Because sin doesn't want you thinking about that stuff. But that helps me so much to just visualize. And it's amazing how that temptation that seems so strong begins to be very, very small and just blows away. You know, uh, I visualize having to look this church in the eyes. And so many of you that encourage me and believe in me for me to have to say I'm not the man you think I am. It's Susie. It's the girls. It's you that keep me making the right choices on the right path. See, see you're not going to hear this out there. there. There's nothing in the community that's going to help your marriage the way we're, we're trying to help your marriage right now. Because everything out there is, if it makes you happy, it can't be bad. Oh, it could be devastating, not only to you, but to those closest to you as well. And I think for us, we've seen even couples in ministry that we knew in college and growing up that, that have fallen. And, and like their lives are like a cautionary, a tale of what can happen. And so the situations I mentioned that Greg mentioned, these situations are a path that leads someplace. You've got to know that. It, it, the end is destruction. And you just have to have the foresight to look ahead, like you're saying, to look ahead. Where is this path leading? Right. And count the cost because it is costly and pricey and you don't want to go there. Every path has a predetermined destination, and you don't get to decide what that destination is, and you don't get to decide where, where, when you arrive there either. Right. But, but when we start making the wrong choices towards sin, things that God says, stay away from that, that's dangerous. We are on a path, and there's a destination there, and it's already been predetermined. So the best thing is, resist the temptation today. Stop it today before it goes any further. We just like to kind of wrap up what we're sharing on just as a reminder, you know, that the devil will attack your marriage. Mm -hmm. He will attack it. And you have to be alert and you have to be ready for it. That's the key. You know, and we just have one question that we want to ask you today just to be pondering. Just prepare to talk about it with your spouse. Answer honestly. And the question is this. In our marriage, where are we currently most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? In your marriage right now, where are you most vulnerable to spiritual attack? Maybe it's something that we shared on. You're like, dang, that's me. 
be, be able to identify those things, be on guard, be able to rectify those things. You know, maybe if you're here and you're not married, you know, where am I most vulnerable to spiritual attacks in my life? You know, mm-hmm. and be able to share that with your group leader or, you know, a trusted Christian friend or whatever. But be have that accountability to be able to recognize that because being be able to prepare is so huge. You know, and I think you're only as strong as you are honest. And this is where honesty plays such a huge part. You have to be honest with yourself. You can't think, you know, this isn't really going anywhere. It is going somewhere. You have to be honest about that and be honest with each other. And sometimes it's having those hard conversations with your spouse, you know, but, but you push through and you be honest because the, the price tag is way too high. So we, we're giving you that as your homework. Yeah. Have that conversation if you're married. In our marriage, where are we currently the most vulnerable to spiritual attack? We've given you permission to have it. And so, you know, men, I encourage you. You can even just say, you know, hey, you know that question. Let's talk about that question. You know, so we're just making a way, uh, making it easy for you. So important to have that, that conversation. We've had that conversation. We've answered that question recently because we wouldn't ask you to do something that we haven't already done. And so we've had conversation uh, about that and are looking for ways to really be on guard, you know, as a result of that. So, so very important, so beneficial if you'll apply that. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of you might be married and you feel like you're fighting alone. You know, maybe you're the passive one. Maybe you're the one that's kind of disengaged. You need to recognize you have got to fight for your marriage. You have to fight for it. It is worth the fight. To the ladies, you know, like I said, it's the temptation to criticize, the temptation to get angry and resentful, to gossip about your husband, whatever. Turn that energy to prayer. Say, God help me love this man. Turn that energy to prayer. Allow God just to move in your heart. And again, as I said before, anything that you see that's positive, encourage that. It'll help change your mindset. It'll help him rise to want to change. It's Mm -hmm. so important that you build him up instead of tearing him down. Tell him, I still believe in you. I still believe in us, that you haven't given up hope. Sometimes you just have to answer that question, you know, but be able to just be able to fight, be able to stay in the fight. Uh, Absolutely, and men, same goes for us as well uh, as husbands. You know, there's a better, there's a better man inside of you than your wife has yet to see. There's a better man still inside of you than your kids have seen. It's time to take a lead. It's time to lead your family to Christ if, if they're not serving Jesus Christ. You know, that, that great verse in the Bible that Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to be a Christian marriage. This is going to be a Christian, this is going to be a Christian family. And that means Christ is at the center and Jesus Christ is going to be the priority in this marriage, in this family. Fight for them. Just like you would, you would defend, you would lay your life down for your, to defend your wife and children. Don't allow Satan to come in and destroy them. We need to stand up as, as husbands and, and, and bring them to church. Serve together, side by side. Nothing breaks the back of selfishness than serving other people, looking for nothing in return. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So don't just fight like a man. Fight like a man of God. Pray with God's word. Serving, laying your life to outserving your wife, outserving your children. And uh, you know, protect them. 
Be willing to die for them. Be willing to lay your life down. And, and you know what? In all reality, it's probably not going to be laying our life down. It's going to be living for our wife. Living for our children. Putting my, my wife first only after Jesus Christ. Second only to Jesus Christ. Laying our life down. That, that's the picture of a Christian marriage. Just because, as we said, just because we go to church doesn't make it a Christian marriage. When Jesus is at the center, that's a Christian marriage. And, and really saying, devil, no, not, not today. You're not going to make these inroads. Drive out those little foxes from your marriage, from your own life. That's where it starts with the grace of God. Not pointing it out in your wife, in your own life. What are those little foxes that you're not driving out, you're actually entertaining and having fun with, and you're feeding them so little foxes grow bigger. Driving them out. You know, it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take uh, forgiveness, but it's worth it. It's worth it to have a Christ-centered, covenant-kicking, I'm sorry, covenant-keeping, mission-driven, devil-kicking marriage. That's the relationship in terms of husbands and wives, that marriage relationship that, that God really wants for each and every one of us. So Susie, I'm going to just take your hand right now, and I'm just going to ask, will you, honey, just, just close us out in prayer right now. Sure, absolutely. Father God, we just come before you this morning, Father. Lord, we just lift up for all those, Father, who are married that have lost hope, hope of something better for their lives, Father. Lord, we just pray for those who maybe are hurting in their marriages and coming from, that bro from broken places. God, we ask for miracles. Lord, we know that in this day and age, you are still in the miracle-working business. Mm -hmm. And Father, we just come that you would come and you would heal. And we just thank you, Lord, that with you all things are possible. Yes, Lord. And that you give us the power to be able to forgive. You give us the power to have a fresh start with each other. And so, Lord, we just commit today to stand united against yes, the enemy that would take down our marriages. Mm -hmm. Father, that husbands and wives, that the Holy Spirit would rise up in each and every one of them, that they would stand firm against their enemy. And Father, we just thank you that you're on the throne, and Father, that you are a source of strength and that you are our anchor. And Father, we draw our strength from you. And Father, this morning, Greg and I both just bless the marriages and the yes, Valley Lord. family. Father, bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary.